Turn to the person next to you and tell them, hey, it's time for a fresh start. 2022, it's time for a fresh start, not just in our life, but also in our connection to God here in church, in our faith journey as well. We can have a fresh start. If I didn't get a chance to meet you yet, my name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church alongside my wife, Adrian, who you saw sing earlier. And man, it's such a blessing to pastor you. It's a blessing to serve alongside you. And I'm really excited for today, the second Sunday of 2022, but we're ready to go. Hopefully you got a little bit more energy in you with that new service time of 1030. You got some fresh coffee in you from out front, Elevate Coffee with us today. So cool. But today I want to lean in for the next few minutes. I want you to take out those notes that you were given. I want you to write some things down. Because we know that we're going to have fun, we're going to laugh, we're going to get inspired in the next 25, 30 minutes for the message. But I know you're going to need this probably tomorrow. I know you're probably going to need some of the things that God showed you on Tuesday and Wednesday. So I always encourage you, take those notes, put them somewhere on your mirror or in your car where you see them so they can impact you and challenge you today. And if you're watching online, we got digital notes that you can follow along as well, that you can screenshot some stuff on your phone. But do me a favor, would you clap your hands, give a shout, and welcome everybody that's watching for Local City Church online today. So glad that you're with us. You're a part of the community too. And we love that we're able to send church out to you, just as you always know, if you're staying at home for church because of health, we're praying for you, and be safe. But if you're staying home out of habit... Time to get back in place here at the church because there's nothing like being in the room, being in the power of life-giving community. And that's what we're here to do today, to have a fresh start. Here's the first blank for you. Write this down. Today we're talking about passionate about God. I think passion is a very important thing in our life. That passion is the key to longevity and continuing when things get difficult. And if there's one thing or the most important thing we need to be passionate about, it's God. As I was journaling and writing this message and putting it together, I thought about the voices we hear in our world today. And at glance, it may seem like people are passionate about a lot of things, whether it be a cause or some sort of platform they're building or a sports team, whatever it is, they may be passionate about it. But what I'm observing in our world today is that people aren't really passionate, they're just angry. They're just angry when things don't go their way, or they're angry that things are different than what they expected, or they're angry that life is happening or things happen in a way they don't agree. As we always say, as we go with what we talk about here, just because we may disagree sometimes doesn't mean that we hate each other. Doesn't mean that we can't get along. Doesn't mean that we can't be unified under this statement that we're passionate about God. It is the one thing that I know in my life has helped get me through the difficult times. Realizing that when I'm passionate about what God has done and who he is in my life, man, everything begins to make a little bit more sense. Everything begins to not seem as important as the only thing that truly matters that God loves us, that God loves me, that God loves you. He proved it through his son, Jesus. And today, we can have a personal relationship with God through Jesus. As I'm going to talk about, we're starting our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I'll unpack what that means in just a bit. But there's going to be a verse that we're going to reference each week during these 21 days, and it's from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It's going to be up on the screen. Here's what it says. But seek 
first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. But seek first. Everybody say on the count of three, seek first. One, two, three. Seek first. Okay, we're ready to go. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. You see the context of Matthew 6. It's the red words. It's red writing, meaning it's, meaning it's the words of Jesus. And he's talking about how you don't have to worry about where you're going to get provided for in your life. He says that if God cares for the birds of the air and the flowers of the dirt, if he provides what they need, don't you think he's going to provide for his kids? He's going to provide for you. But the key is seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. See, righteousness is not necessarily about always behaving or doing the right thing. Righteousness is about living the way God intended us to live. Created to be the full experience of humanity that he created for you and for me as people, as existing here on this earth and living life in the way that was created to be lived. Seek first the kingdom of God and the way he's created us to live and all these things will be added to you. I know in my life I've had the temptation of, well, when I get all these things, God, then, you know, then, I, then I'll hang out with you. Then you'll be the priority. But see, God flips everything upside down in our normal understanding. Hey, before you, before, even before you see it, even before you feel it, would you trust me and seek first the things that I have for you? Would you follow the kingdom that I've got for you? Because you're a part of something that is changing the world. You're a part of the greatest story ever told, that God came down to earth in the form of his son Jesus. Hope came down and became human because hope has a name, and that name is Jesus, and he's available to you and to me today. Come on, that's the kingdom that we're seeking. That's the kingdom that we're a part of. As I was journaling again, again, preparing for these collection of talks and preparing for these 21 days, what I want to do is each week of these four, this four-week series, I want to give you something I wrote down in my journal about our church. Local city in 2022. Come on, I believe this is going to be a great year, not just for our lives personally, but for our lives as a community, to impact and influence more people than we've ever done before, to reach more lost and broken people, our friends and our families, than we ever have before to make more of a difference outside these four walls than we ever have before. Come on, I believe it, and I see it, and I'm dreaming for it, and I'm encouraging you to come on, let's follow along with what God is doing. Here's what I see, I want you to write this down. I see a church, local city, where the people have found a relationship with God instead of religion. And where living for God is no longer a have to, but it's a delight. It is a man I cannot wait to experience God on a Sunday morning together with my church. I cannot wait to spend some time in my Bible on my own, by myself, praying to the God who loves me. It may be awkward. I may not know how to do it the best way, but I'm going to do it because it's a delight. That's what the, the choice of love is all about. I think about it this way. Adrian and I, in our anniversary is coming up in September. Got to prepare already. A little, it's pretty getting near, getting near, getting close. But imagine if I were to buy her favorite flower, a dozen white roses. It's changed a few times, but now she has assured me it is definitely white roses. Imagine if I were to show up with a big bouquet of white roses on our anniversary morning, and I walked up to her and I said, Adrian, I am doing this because it's what I have to do 
on our anniversary. How many know that those flowers would quickly be thrown back in my face, the door slammed, and it would not be a good anniversary? Some of the husbands are out there, oh yeah, I know, don't do that, don't do that. Here's the thing, we treat God the same way, and I would never do that to my wife, but sometimes I'm guilty of doing that to God. God, here I am because I have to. Here I am because I guess I should. And if that's what's brought you into the house today, by all means, don't feel guilty or don't feel like I'm attacking you, but I hope to change your mind to realize that God loves you. And he's given us the choice to give our life back to him, to return to us what was lost. And today what we're going to talk about is how to focus our passion. And the four things I'm going to give you, it's amazing how when we focus our passion in the right direction to the main things that truly matter, how we're taken care of, how life begins to move a little bit more smoothly, that even when the storms come and stressful situations arise, we have roots that are deep down in a foundation that cannot sway us, that cannot destroy us to knowing that there is a God who does not abandon us or forget about us. This past week, Adrian and I got to travel to New York for vacation. It was awesome. We loved it. Got to see some Broadway shows. Got to eat a ton of food, drank a bunch of coffee. I love riding the subway and just walking through the city. It was really beautiful. Thursday night, it like snowed across the entire city. And we were walking through Central Park the next morning, seeing the kids out making snowmen and the beautiful snow on the trees and kind of the flurries blowing through when a gust of wind would come. It was awesome. I was like, this is great. I can see why people want to live in a place like this. And then I was quickly reminded why I like to visit places like that, but not live in where it snows like that. When I saw a guy super frustrated that he was having to shovel off all the snow that had caked on his car, get out the ice scraper, I was like, I naturally run late anyway, and if I got to do 30 minutes of ice scraping and snow plowing, that's not going to be good. And I realized, okay, it's a nice place to visit. I don't have a car here. I can play in the snow, and then I can leave it and not worry about it, and I'll just sweat a little bit and floor. Came from 20 degree weather to 70 degree weather, and it's great. But I remember when we were flying back, and, and you know, it was a late night flight. I, used, I usually like to get a late night flight because then you can kind of hang out the whole day and get to the airport with enough time. We were flying, and Adrian had fallen asleep, and she was laying there, and I was looking out the window, and there was a thought that came across my mind. Number one was, ah, oh, even sleeping, my wife is so beautiful, ah, oh, so nice. Anniversary points already, see? Uh, but also, I was looking out the window, and I had this thought, like, just on the other side of that window pane is not good for me. <laughs> like, just on the other side of, if this window pane, and this, this however thick it is, didn't exist, I would not be able to survive. And it's amazing how right here I can be cozy and with my beautiful wife traveling back home and just a few feet over could be death and destruction and the end of it all. What I want to encourage you today is the distance between those two things is not as far as you think. And you may feel like you're in death and destruction and despair and brokenness right now, but if you just take a few steps over, you'll be able to recline. We were in first class upgrade. You'll be able to recline and fly home normally and casually, resting in who God is. My encouragement to you today is I'm going to teach you how to take four steps this way in your passion, to be in a place where God is taking care of you, to be in a place where you feel at home, where you feel rested, where you can have a fresh start today. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's receive from the Lord today 
God, I'm so thankful that you're passionate about us as your people. And God, our one response is to be passionate about you. So teach us how to do that today in these four areas. God, be with every person here. Bless them. Speak to them right now how much you love them. Help us write some notes down and lean into what you're teaching us. God, be with all our incredible local city kids next door. Let them know how much you love them and that Jesus is their best friend, even right now at a young age. Be with our incredible kids team who helps make church fun and life-giving for our next generation. And God, we give you this next few minutes here as we lean into what you're doing. And God, I pray for life change. I pray for healing. And I pray for restoration. We love you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, we all say and agree. Give me a good amen. All right. Now, now show of hands, how many of you would love to make 2022 just your best year ever? Like, right? Okay, there we go. Usually when I do hands, it's like, you know, hi. Oh, yes. Okay. Some people, both hands up. 2022, I got two hands up, pastor, saying I want this year to be great. Well, I'm going to give you the key to how to make this year the best year of your life. I didn't say easiest. I didn't say getting everything you want. I said best. 2022 can be the best year of your life, write this down, if it is your best year spiritually. Because your spirit affects everything. It's great to have physical goals, which we should have. We talked about that last week. It's great to have things that we want to do, whether it's get back in the gym or run a 5K, almost said marathon, but that stresses me out even thinking about that, run a 5K, right? It's great to have emotional goals, maybe find some healing from things that have happened in the past, go to some counseling, get some therapy. All that's beneficial and a blessing and good. But if we don't invest in ourselves spiritually, it has a foundation that is easily broken and easily knocked over, a foundation of sand, not a foundation of stone. And today, I want you to realize how important it is to invest in your spirit. That's why we start the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. What I want to do is continue to walk through the gospel of Matthew. Again, we're reading Matthew chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God. But Matthew is a really important gospel, and it's got some of my favorite parables and stories within it. And before, before we jump into Matthew chapter 9, we can go back to the spiritually side real quick. I want them to read ahead because I want to give some context of who Matthew is. And so Matthew was a disciple of Jesus, and he kind of had a radical way that he was invited to follow Jesus. But Matthew's gospel, when I say gospel, it means good news, literally just referring to the book that Matthew wrote. It's really important because it's the first book in the New Testament when we read through the Bible. It's the first words that we get from God after 400 years of silence. It's written to the Jewish people at that time because Matthew was a Jew. It's written to them because they were anxiously awaiting the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, who is going to come and redeem and forgive and restore that which had been lost. And I love the idea of Matthew writing this because he's writing to his own people. He's writing to people that we're anxiously awaiting something. Maybe today you're anxiously waiting for God to speak to you. You're anxiously waiting for something, to, something good to happen in your life. I want you to know that that thing has already happened. Jesus is already here. Jesus is here in this place. He's conquered sin and death, and he is alive today. The Bible promises you that if you call on his name, you will be saved. But I also believe that there may be a second group, another group that Matthew is writing to that might relate to us today as well. People who got so distracted by expecting it to happen the way they thought it would happen that they were missing out on what they were waiting for was right in front of them. 
See, some of the Jewish people at that time expected the Messiah, the Savior, to come down from heaven in a chariot of fire and destroy all their enemies and free them from the Roman Empire and establish them again as the people of God in freedom and power here on this earth. But as we just celebrated during Christmas, Jesus came in a manger, the most humble way you can as a little tiny baby. And it was the cries of a child that ushered in the new kingdom of God coming to this earth. I want you to know today, God probably most of the time will not do it the way you want or expect, but it's always better than you could possibly imagine. So today, maybe what God is going to speak to you is here at local city church on a Sunday morning in Hillsborough High School that, hey, I'm here for you. I haven't forgotten about you. And we're going to see that in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 9. Now let's throw it up on the screen. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9, says this, as Jesus was walking along, He saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Pause for one second. It's important. So Matthew, even though he was a Jewish guy, he was a tax collector, meaning that at some point in his life, he was deemed not good enough to step into the priesthood of Jewish culture and was so hurt by that that he literally stepped into being a tax collector, which means that he was stepping into robbing from and persecuting his own people. Not a popular guy, but it's amazing how offense and bitterness and hurt can turn you to do things against your own people that you never thought you would ever do. See, maybe we're holding on to bitterness and hurt and betrayal, and it's brought us to a place that we think there's no coming back from. Let these next two words encourage you. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. I love that. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Imagine actually asking that at a party. When Jesus, not a good idea to do that. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. That's freeing for me because I know I'm messed up. I know I need some help. For some of us, we need to remember that we can't do this on our own. That life may be good right now, but I know in your mind, you're thinking if I lose that business or I lose this relationship or I lose this one thing, I don't know what I'm gonna do. That is not freedom, that is bondage. And I wanna give you the freedom today to know no matter what I lose earthly, I still have the heavenly son of God with me and on my side. I'm following him, I'm his disciple, and it doesn't matter what I lose, it doesn't matter how bad things get, I know Jesus is carrying me, he's walking along, alongside me, and he's with me no matter what, because he is that good. I need to know that I'm sick. I need to know that I'm broken, because it helps me understand just how good Jesus is. Let me give you the first thing, the first area for focused passion for 2022, is to be passionate about your personal relationship with God. Passionate about your personal relationship with God. What is the first, two th- the first two words Jesus says to Matthew? Matthew, follow me. It doesn't get more personal than that. Stay close enough to me that you can follow me. Stay close enough to me so you can see what I'm doing. 
Learn about who I am. Watch how I interact with people. Watch how I pray. Watch how I experience God and simply follow me. Listen, local city church, this is not about trying to figure out how to follow God. It's not about trying to figure out how you live this life. It's about opening up this book and spending time reading the words it read and the four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and seeing how Jesus approached life and simply following him in that way, following him in those steps that he made one after the other, living life to the full here on earth. And it's passionate about your personal relationship with God. The one thing I want to challenge you over and over again is your personal relationship with God cannot flow through me or anyone else on this stage. It can be inspired and complimented by that, and you can be encouraged when you may not be feeling it in your life. That's what church is for. We come together when we realize, man, this is the start to our week, not the end of our week. We're coming together. We're experiencing God. I need this to attack my Monday. I need this to get on through my week. But you know what? I have some vibrant personal times with God as well. I get to get alone with God and alone with my Bible, and I get to be alone with God and pray to him. How was Jesus able to do all these miracles of raising the dead and feeding the 5,000 and walking on water? It's because every time at the beginning of those chapters, you see this little sentence, and Jesus withdrew alone to the mountainside to pray, to be with his father. You have to have a passion for your personal relationship with God. This isn't about always necessarily getting everything you need from the Lord on a Sunday morning because that's not our faith. I, I, I was telling some of our team earlier today, and I'll share it with you because it's just, I, I like to tell you that there's just certain things we don't say here at local city church. And one of those things is, well, I'm just not getting fed on Sunday mornings anymore, pastor. That sounds like a mature Christian thing to say. It's actually pretty immature. Let me prove it to you. I have a three-and-a-half-year-old son. Right now, we prepare his meals. We cook them. We get them ready. If Shepherd, my son, is 30 years old, and still coming to me and saying, hey, I'm just not getting fed by you anymore. My reaction to him is, yes, because you're 30 now. I've trained you to go cook your own thing. Even if that's even some macaroni and cheese in the microwave, you know how to do it. And why are you still living at home? You're 30 years old. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we treat our faith with Jesus that way. I would never deprive you of being able to prepare your own meal. And sit down and experience God for yourself. Now, I want to teach you things. I want to give you insight into the word that maybe you don't see for yourself. But, hey, I would never tell you that this is all you need. That you should get fed once a week on a Sunday morning for 30 minutes. You need daily meals. I need to teach you how to daily feed yourself three times a day so you can receive from God. I'm glad you're not getting fed, but I'll whet your appetite for sure so you can dive more into the buffet that is Jesus, that is Scripture, that is your own personal relationship with God. See, prayer and spending time with God, that's where it's all at. And if Jesus did it, we should do it. And as we lean in to these 21 days of prayer and fasting, think about it this way. Prayer, write this down, prayer is our first response, not our last resort. I've I've seen it done this way. A lot of times we treat prayer like this. It's our spare tire. You know, in emergencies... When I get a flat, I know the spares in the trunk or wherever it's at, and I know it'll be there when I need it. So when I need it, I'll make sure I go get it. And sometimes, if you're like me, your spare is flat when you need it, so that always works out great, and you got to pump it up somehow. But in an emergency, when I need it, I know it's there. 
And in prayer in our life, well, when things are bad, I know I got the spare. When I need God to do something, I know the spare is back there. When I get a flat and life doesn't go the way I expected, I know, okay, prayer is not your spare tire. It's too powerful for that. It's too meaningful to be kept hidden and used only in case of emergency. Because the best prayer is prayed before you need it. The best prayer is preparing your spirit and soul before there's an emergency. See, prayer is not our last resort. It's our first response. Now, it's kind of hard to come across one of these, but I found a cover at Walmart. So prayer should be our steering wheel. That How I'm praying, that's, that's, it's influencing where I'm going. It's my first response. God, I had this opportunity for some, to do something with my business, or I have an opportunity to... to start a new job, or what, where, what is your guidance in this relationship, or what should I do to be more involved and connected in my church? Oh, hands at 10 and 2. This way. That way. And it guides the whole car. It guides our whole life. And we pray the word of God. We pray, God, help me to seek first your kingdom today. God, help me to trust you and not in my own understanding. God, remind me that you, I am forgiven and set free. Remind me that I am more than a conqueror because of what Jesus has done in my life. Come on, if there's anything that we should grab a hold of, it's the steering wheel of prayer in our life to guide us and show us where to go. Not a spare tire. It's our steering wheel. It's our guider. It's our director. That's why, for the next 21 days, we're committing to praying and fasting. Here's two points about prayer and fasting. Number one, prayer connects you with God. Fasting disconnects you from the world. I would encourage you, if you find yourself at a stagnant place in your relationship with God, this is how you break that. If you're in a place where you're facing a big decision, this is how you get guidance. If you're in a place where you're wanting to go deeper in your faith, or you felt like your faith has just been at some sort of plateau, this is how you go deeper. This is how you continue to take one step forward. Praying, connecting with God, and fasting, and disconnecting from the world. When you walked in, attached to your notes was this little card. And on the back of it, it says, for 21 days resources and more info on prayer and fasting, you can go to localcity.church slash 21 days. On that write-up, it talks about what prayer is. And I would give you three things to write down for prayer. And because encompassing with prayer is spending time in God's word. I believe for the next 21 days, here's what you should commit to, praying every day. And I'll give you the amount of time in just a second. And don't worry, it's doable by all of us. But I would encourage you for the next 21 days, here's three words to write down. A space, a space in your day when you spend time with God. The morning is great. Because all the negative stuff usually happens after your morning. So first thing is good. Or it's some, maybe during your lunch hour, or maybe before you go to bed. Whenever, whenever you have space to do it, commit to a space to do it. Wherever that is. And write it down. Commit to it today. This is the excitement about praying and fasting. And tomorrow we start. <laughs> the second thing is after space is a place. Where am I going to go when I'm spending my time with the Lord? Whether it's a specific chair at your home or your couch in your office. Not on your drive to work, that's too, you know, too distracted, even though the whole steering wheel thing might be a good reminder. Maybe on, the, on a bench outside your office when you go on a walk, when am I going to do it and where am I going to do it? And the third thing is, and we're going to give this to you, is a plan. You need to have a space, you need to have a place, and you need to have a plan. On that website, there is a link, and you can scan the QR code too to go to the website. There's a link for a 21-day Bible version plan. We do these as a church every year where you can join it through the version app and you can comment and do a little community board about what we've read each day. This one's all about prayer. 
And I love it because it's all about answering questions we ask about prayer. Is God really listening? Why do I have to pray? What happens because I pray? How do I pray, right? And it answers all those questions. And if you read that for the next 21 days, I promise you're going to walk out a little fresher. You're going to walk out realizing that God is, God really is who he says he is. And I would encourage you to devote your time to prayer. One of the other tools I'm going to give you, it'll be up on the screen. There's also a link on the website. It's called the First 15 app. If you want to write this down in your notes, we practice something called the My 15. Remember how I told you I was going to give you the time? I told you I was going to tell you. So we convey the, our first 15, our My 15 minutes every day. This is our time with the Lord. And I would encourage you to try to do it your first 15 minutes. I have to wake up before the distractions in my home. Again, I have a three-and-a-half-year-old son. When he's up, he's the focus. I can't be trying to slow down. So the first 15 minutes of my day, I'm leaned into the presence of God. And here's how it breaks down. Five minutes of God's word, five minutes of worship, and five minutes of prayer. If you can't find a free 15 minutes in your day, you are too busy and you need to rest a little more, and that's a message for another time. I don't care how busy you are, how many kids you have, how busy life is, these first 15 minutes will affect the next 20 plus hours of your day, every day. And if you do this for one week and for 21 days, come, say, come tell me, Pastor Ryan, you were right. I know, because I've seen it in my own life. And this app gives you something to read from the Bible. If you don't want to do the plan, you can just go through the app, or you can double dip if you want. It's got a worship song to listen to for you, and it's got prayer points for you to pray through. All you have to do is decide to do it. We've given you everything that you need. All you have to do is do the only thing you can, and that's make the choice to pray and fast for the next 21 days. Let me tell you about fasting really quick. Fasting is disconnecting from the world. Fasting is taking a break from something and replacing it with something, again, that nourishes us spiritually. Here are some things you can do. You could do some sort of food fast. Not fast food. need to take a break from that. Food fast. Whether you step into some sort of a strict diet when it comes to like a Daniel fast, which is no meats, no breads, no sugars, maybe no coffee. Whatever you can do, you just commit to doing it. It's not a diet, it's a fast. It's not necessarily to help us physically, it's to help us spiritually, right? All of us should, if we don't want to commit to maybe something food-wise, all of us should probably commit to what I call a soul fast. Where we're fasting from social media from 21 days. Getting rid of Facebook, deleting Instagram off your phone, Maybe even deleting Netflix from our TV and all that stuff. And just focusing on investing in ourselves spiritually for 21 days. I, will, I promise you it will set up your 2022 in the best possible way you can imagine. You know how I wasn't really necessary. I was stressed out, but not to the point of quitting and giving up in 2022. Because I had started 20, or 2020, because I had started 2020 with 21 days of prayer and fasting. My soul was prepared for the emergency I didn't know was coming. That's what we're giving you today. And fasting is the way to do that. I'm not going to tell you what to fast, but I'm going to tell you hey, to do this today. Hey, God, what would you have me do tomorrow? What would you have me take a break from? And simply say yes and take it seriously. A pastor, influence of mine, one time I said, man, I feel like I, feel like I should do coffee, but I can't do it. And he said, that means you probably should. <laughs> you're leaning on it too much. If you're leaning on anything more than the presence of God, that's what we need to fast from. So that we can, so God can prove to you that Leaning on him and trusting him is the most important thing. Let's power through these next few, all right? The second thing is passion for praise and worship. Passion for praise and worship. I love how it says in Matthew chapter 9, it says, So Matthew got up. Some of us, 
We just gotta be passionate about getting up again in our life and not just sit back and coast through our relationship with God anymore, but to get up and praise and worship God. See, you may see me in the front row, lifting my hands, singing, jumping up and down. That's not a show. It's to, it's to really be the example of what worshiping God is supposed to look like. I just gotta tell you, it's, it, worship is not supposed to be boring. Worship is not where we just sit back and, that's not what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to worship with reckless abandonment, meaning that we are supposed to be hands up, voices loud, hearts open, because what else does God deserve? See, praise and worship is not about, it's giving God what he deserves, not what we feel. It's about giving God what he deserves, not what we feel. Write that down. Sometimes I don't necessarily feel like raising my hands. Sometimes I don't necessarily feel like standing up. But I do because it's what God deserves. Matthew realized that his entire life, people had overlooked him. And because of that brokenness and overlooking, he went back to hurting his own people and stealing from them. But the Son of God stepped into his life and said, hey, come follow me. And Matthew realized something different is happening. This person is different. He sees me for who I really am. And I believe things can get better when I follow him. So you know what? I'm going to get up. I'm going to stand. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to be excited to do it because what else does God deserve? He deserves our praise and he deserves our worship. The Bible tells us that it's the garment of praise that breaks the heaviness and burdens in our life. If you're feeling stressed out, don't let your stress affect your worship. Let your worship affect and change your stress, realizing it doesn't matter what's going on out those doors. When I come in, it's God, thank you so much. You're promised promises never fail. Hallelujah to the one who made a way. Because again, that's the power of God. And some of us, we may say, well, I just, it's not how I, it's not how I experience God. It's more of a mm, meditative state. Okay, that's fine, but you're not going to enjoy heaven because heaven is going to be millions of millions of people in a giant stadium-like room lifting up praises. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be fun and exciting because, again, that's what God deserves. And let me challenge you. If you're more excited when you go to a sporting event than when you're here on a Sunday morning, something is backwards because I love that we got Tom Brady. I love that Nikita Kucherov's back for the Lightning. I love all that, but they did not give their life for me. They gave me a Super Bowl and a Stanley Cup, but they didn't give their life for me. They are not the Son of God. Here in that seat every Sunday morning, I'm getting to say thanks to the Son of God who gave his life for me. So yeah, I'm gonna be excited. I'm gonna be hands up. I'm gonna be shouting thanks to God because I'm passionate about praise and worship because I'm passionate about what Jesus has done in my life and who he is. Jesus is saying to you, hey, follow me. So for all of us, it's time to get up a little bit more in our following of Jesus and in in our life. Come on, if you believe that and are challenged by that, get up and give me an amen. Well, don't get up yet. We're almost done. <laughs> Here's the third thing, is that we're passionate for our redemptive purpose. I love what Matthew does. Right after, right after Jesus says, come follow me, he gets up, and immediately it says that later, Matthew invited people over to his home. Immediately, Matthew realized, I have all these resources, I have this giant home and no one's in it. And if Jesus sees me and sees value in me and cares about me, 
Maybe he cares about my other tax collector friends. Maybe he cares about my other friends who have thought they were passed over and overlooked and forgotten about. And if I can just invite him into this house that's got space, maybe the same thing that happened for me can happen for them. Matthew had spent his whole life betraying his people and hurting them and building his own platform. But it took one phrase from Jesus, hey, come follow me. And all of that stuff began now to be redeemed for the purpose of building the kingdom of God. Where hundreds of people gather in this house and begin to hear Jesus say, God loves you. And for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. You don't have to perish, you can have everlasting life. But if you call on the name of the one God sent, you'll be saved. Why don't you come follow me? See, Matthew could have just followed Jesus and done that and kept it to himself. But he knew his purpose was bigger than that. And so he invited people in. And it wasn't just because to look at all the number of people, but it's because every one of those people in his house had a name, had a story. And those names and those stories, they mattered to God. We need to understand that when we're passionate for our redemptive purpose, we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. And I'm going to be honest with you, local city, the only way you know that is to commit to not coming to church alone anymore. The only way you're going to know that is realizing that what happened for you can happen for your friend that's walking through this life broken and alone. What did the video say? It's great to have fun in here, but people don't know they're invited. It's great. The food is great in here. It's fun. Coffee's good. But people out there are hopeless, and they may put on a front, but they need what we're serving in here. They need to know that they could have been redeemed and set free and that Jesus looks at them and sees them and knows their name. And I can't show up at your workplace or at your house or in your neighborhood. But you can. It's not about me. It's about us. It's about us serving together. We're going to talk about this. We have a, we have a guest of the house coming in, a friend of the house coming in to speak next week. He's going to talk about the power of invitation, the power of bringing people. I think that's our first purpose, to remember that. Our purpose is to bring people to Jesus. So they can see him for who he really is. They may not believe in God yet, but they believe in you and they see you. The second thing is, it's not only about invitation, it's about serving. How do you know you're a part of bigger, you're a part of something bigger than yourself? By getting in it. Today we have growth track step one. And this is never an announcement, this is an invitation. We want to help you grow. We want to help you step in to your redemptive purpose. You'll see on the screen, Growth Track, it happens every Sunday after service. Right in the back room. You can hang out with me. I can give you, answer questions you have about the church. But most importantly, it's about helping you get connected to who you are and what God's created you to do. To help you know, just like Matthew, that you have a redemptive purpose. As we close today, the last one is this, is that the biggest passion we can have is a passion for people a passion for, again, those who Jesus has a passion for. What did Jesus say? I've not come to call the healthy because apparently they know what they're doing. (laughs) I've come to call the sick and those who realize that they're broken and need someone in their life. Jesus is passionate about people and so are we. It's why we have serve days. It's why we do whatever it takes to reach people outside these walls. 
It's why, again, maybe today, maybe this is, the, this is your faith step this year. And at the end of this month, on January 30th, we're having Baptism Sunday. There's a little number you can text on the screen. that says text water to 97,000. Maybe today, maybe not today, maybe January 30th, the beginning of the year. It's your time to be baptized. Never been baptized as an adult? What are you waiting for? Let's go. And we're going to celebrate with you that day. I love Baptism Sunday. It's fun. And that's going to be the day where you come out of that water new and forgiven and set free. Baptizing as a baby is great. I was, but I didn't know what was happening. I probably just cried that I was wet. It's when I was an adult, when I could make the own decision to know this is about Jesus. I gave him everything. Maybe that's the step because we're passionate about you. We're passionate about people here. So today it's realizing that Jesus has come to call you. He's come to call us. And the last thing I want you to write down as we close today, and we're going to close with some praise and worship because it's time to be passionate about that. But thanks for hanging. And I want to invest this one last thing to you. It's my challenge for you for 2022 is to give us a year of your life. I know that seems like a lot, but it seems like yesterday. It was last year. But give us a year of your life. For this next calendar year, make Sundays a priority. Get in a group in just a few weeks when, the, when our circle semester starts up. Go to growth track, start serving. Start giving with your generosity. And I promise you, you're going to be in a new place a year from now. How do I know that? Because I can rattle off name by name in this room. That last year, I said this same invitation. Give us a year of your life. One of those guys, he, he held on to it. He gave us a year, made Sundays a priority, started bringing his family He's become one of the biggest givers in our church, gave a huge gift for Heart for the House. Probably over a year ago, I'd be like, whoa, money to a church? Ah, but it's because God does that. Passionate about God changes everything. This other guy in our church walked in, dealing with some issues medically, needed a miracle. He realized Jesus was his miracle, gave his life to Jesus, got baptized, led one of the most fruitful circles that we had, the most fruitful groups that we had this last semester, help people get connected all because they said yes to give us a year of your life. Give us a year. Sundays, groups, serving, giving. I promise you, you'll be in a different place. God will do something in your life. And if he didn't, I'll go help you find another church because apparently we're not doing it right. But I trust and believe in what God's doing here so much. Give us a year. See what happens. Let's be passionate about God together. Can you give me an amen if you believe that today? Come on, stand to our feet. As we stand to our feet, would you close your eyes with me?